This is In the Ring with Sumo Heavy, a weekly e-commerce podcast with your hosts, John Suter, Bart Moraz, and Brittany Blackman. In the Ring features interviews with e-commerce leaders, as well as the latest news and strategies to give listeners actionable ideas and inspiration for their e-commerce businesses. The podcast is a production of Sumo Heavy, an e-commerce consulting firm with offices in Brooklyn, New York, and Philadelphia. Find us on the web at sumoheavy.com. Today on In the Ring, we have Rachel Jacobs, founder of e-commerce partnerships. Rachel was previously the COO of a leading Shopify Plus agency in London. Her new focus at e-commerce partnerships is on the four corners of every e-commerce agency, positioning, acquisition, delivery, and retention. She helps e-commerce agencies move away from being dependent on projects in favor of profitable retainers. Rachel has over 10 years of experience doing marketing and partnerships and has worked with a number of different industries like nursing, finance, construction, and startups. On this episode, Rachel and Sumo Heavy CEO and co-founder Bart Moraz walk us through paid discovery in e-commerce. Enjoy our conversation with Rachel Jacobs. I know we're going to do, at some point, you and I need to talk about retainers and we have a special way of working too. So mm-hmm. it is one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, Same. Yeah, we're very particular how we do ours. And I guess we're going to do another podcast, I guess, on yours or ours or whatever we want to talk about this. But today, we want to talk about paid discovery. We are big fans. Uh, We've been working like that for a very long time. It is still one of the hardest things to sell as an agency or a consulting firm. You know, you ran your own e-commerce shop at some point too, right? I was was CEO of a, a big plus agency in London. Yeah, I ran that for a couple of years. Yeah, let's talk about that. Like how, what's your opinion, obviously on paid discovery, you know, why sort of clients should actually do it and not, you know, in better words, poo-poo it all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I know it's it's a really weird one because for me, I mean, the analogy that I always like to use when I'm working with agencies or talking, I mean, we talk about paid discovery a lot, but for me, it's just like I attribute paid discovery just to having a contractor come into my house to fix something. If I had a contractor come into my house, so I'm getting some work done in my kitchen. If I have, you know, I live in Spain, so the guy's name is Manuel. If I had Manuel come into my kitchen and just look at the kitchen and kind of measure it up and say, yeah, it's going to cost you like 10,000 euros. I would feel a bit nervous at the fact that he just put a number at that and was wanted to get it. Like that would make me feel nervous versus getting somebody in who will come in and do due diligence and map it all out and do a prototype of what the, the kitchen is going to look like and, and do computer-generated images and then give me an actual cost based on what I'm looking for and allow me to look at those costs and be like, oh, shit, that's twice the money that I was expecting, but I'm getting exactly what I want. And then allowing me to choose, well, I'm going to cut it a bit here and I'm going to trim a bit here and I'm going to take this money here and move it over to there so I can make it better. And I, I feel like I have more, I'm more in control of the decision. I feel like I have more of a choice. Yeah. What's the, you know, it's very frustrating on, on, I guess this time where we've gone against, you know, other agencies and they have a 40 minute conversation with somebody and just threw a price out and knowing that's just wrong. Like it's a wrong, not only it's going to be a wrong price, it's just, for me is wrong to do that to the client. Like a client gives you an RFP or a client just asks for a price. Like what's the, what's the, this side of us? Like, what do you say to a client saying, you know, exactly what you described with, with the kitchen work, but what's the battle there? Like, you know, clients want that price and want that number, but is it, is it just because 
we know it's going to be wrong or is it just like because we need to just sell and not go we're consultants this is what we do yeah well i mean for me i think that you shouldn't be giving quotes to somebody ever anyway unless you know what their budget are so i think that when the people that do that i think it's per sales practice um and they're just trying to sell rather than consult at the end of the day we're from an agency perspective we're here to help the brand get what they need so by taking the easy route and saying, okay, these are your requirements, I'm just gonna throw a quote at you. Now, there are some instances where you will have brands where they send you an RFP and then you just have to quote it and then you just hope that you're somewhere in the ballpark. Yeah. But good sales practice, you should understand, you should go into that phone call. Before you even have a phone call, you should know what their expectations are in terms of their timeline, in terms of their budget and roughly what they're looking for. Because then, as a, from a consultative point of view, you can tailor what the recommended solution is, solution is going to be based on their budget. So it doesn't come down to budget as much as it is what they want and how that fits into what they're willing to spend or what they're willing to invest. So, so to me, the agencies that do that practice, almost always, from the hundreds of agencies that I have consulted with, almost always they are agencies that do not ask for budget up front or have no idea of budget they're just guessing right which i think is bad i think that's bad for it's like my first question <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think you should, yeah i think you should i think you should automate that to make it less awkward but at the end yeah, of the it doesn't day, have to be right it shouldn't be a first question but in the line of questioning you should definitely ask that you know how would you have an agency handle when a client goes why should I pay for a, a discovery? Like you should just do this work anyway. Like this is what you're bidding on. Like, you know, if a client goes, well, I'm not, I don't want to pay for this whole thing. Depends on what the discovery looks like, doesn't it? If you're going to give somebody a discovery that's just a quote, then yeah, why would I pay for a quote? Mm -hmm. My idea of a discovery is much more hands-on. My idea of discovery is doing actual workshops, a series of workshops with people. Um, because really what you want to do is you want to see if what they're looking for, like expectation matches reality. And if you actually want to work with that client. Um, so it depends on how you're handling the client. And I'd say on the back of the pa pandemic, that's become even more important. Um, working that client through the process and handholding them and then getting to see the different people in your team that they're going to be dealing with. Investing in that process is much more value for money than paying somebody 5,000 bucks and then getting a proposal on the end. Like that's a shit experience. From the customer experience perspective, that is shit. Yeah. Ours is uh, minimum six to eight weeks with like 400 pages of documentation and, and things like that. And a price. So it's, it's heavy handed. Um, it's not for everybody, which is absolutely. Heavy handed. That's the wrong word, Bart. It's comprehensive. Uh, we're sumo heavy. So it's heavy handed. <laughs> okay fair fair i'll take and it ours and ours is to be fair we actually don't call it discovery discovery is part of our process we call mm -hmm. it sumo heavy weigh-in so nice. we cute. do play uh uh one of my friends um uh who's been in agency world forever he consults sort of like you do with just agencies like not not just e-commerce ones but um We've been talking about it and, you know, he suggested to change the name and don't call it discovery because of the reasons they're pitching, like make it a special thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it took us forever and it was accidental. We're like, wait a minute, Sumo Heavy Weighing is just like a perfect term for it. Mm -hmm. because it's like, it's our weighing in on the problem you're having, right? Besides mm -hmm. the Sumo thing, it's all of a sudden it's our, our actual interpretation of the problem and helping you solve it. 
So it's, it became a fun thing and it works for us. Um, but mm-hmm. discovery is part of that process. I think it has to be like extrapolate it from everything you do to actually. Because mm-hmm. I mean, we've had clients where we, we've done a discovery or our sumo heavy way and then they got a whole thing. We did a startup like that. Um, and they're like, well, we're going to go try to raise money for this, but we can't, pers- you know, move longer. So now you spend you know, two months with a client and they can't go on, but we still did the work. So I, I think pay discoveries is very important. I mean, it's, it's getting, it's, I feel due, like it's due diligence. It is due diligence. It's due diligence, but also like you wouldn't build a house without, you know, blueprints and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And people got to get, you know, I feel like doing something for free like that doesn't give the full effort of the whole team. Mm-hmm. Just does it. No, and I think you're making assumptions and the reality is I've been in the agency world long enough, as have you, no two businesses the same, yeah. unless you have a, which some agencies do and they do it really well, unless you have a productized, standardized, out of the box, plug and play, this is the theme, this is what you get, this is the numbers, this is how much time it's going to take and this is how much money you're going to spend and you've really refined that so it's an actual product and I have some agencies that do that pretty well for that type of customer. Now the reality is that type of customer, you're not gonna have a high conversion rate into retainers because they want something cheap and dirty. Right, right. And it's usually the smaller ones. Like we do a lot of custom work with clients in the back end, and it's very, very, very comprehensive. Eh, gotcha there. Um, <laughs> and it's it's definitely different. So we can't just cookie cutter this stuff. And it's, no. it's unfair and disservice I to think it, I, Yeah, I think it's a disrespect to where they're at in their business that you would assume that you could just put a blanket number on something and hope that that covers it because the reality is what's going to happen. You're going to start that project, all of this stuff, clients, they, things change all the time. There's a lot of moving pieces, the different technologies. The reason the client is coming to an agency here, an expert is because we have insight into how all those technologies talk to each other and interact. So once they change one decision that could impact three or four things, they're working with us because we know that and they don't. But if we don't take the time to really get under the hood, all those moving pieces, we can't inform them. So you get into a project and the next thing you know, it's like, oh shit, now we need to change everything. We're going to have to rebuild this entire part of the website because you actually wanted your shipping cart to connect and talk this way to your ERP or whatever. But they don't know that. So we're then by putting just a blanket, a little cost 40K, putting a blanket number on something, hoping that's going to work. It's a massive disservice. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, it will double the cost. You would, you, it's just, it, we've seen it over and over and over and we've lost clients because of that kind of stuff. And they'll come back and they're like, Oh my God, I, I, can you guys do it? And we're like, we're, I mean, the, the worst conversation is, can you guys do it? And we already spend the money. Can you discount it? <laughs> you didn't spend the money with me. You spent it with someone else. So no, <laughs> just out of interest. then let me ask you a wee question. How do you price your discoveries? Uh, we have standard pricing. Um, okay. pretty much, uh, we kind of, we, we played around with a whole bunch of different things. We kind of go off our retainer model. Um, ours are six to eight weeks start about 15 grand a month. I mean, $15,000 for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done shorter, we've done a lot longer, um, and they go, you know, different ways. It just depends. We, between 15 and $20,000 are ours. And that's usually a two month project for us. Um, it's very specific. Um, we go, 
um, multiple calls. They're recorded. They transcribe. They're uh, if it's code review, we do code reviews on top of it. Consulting. So we definitely have a process on everything, but we also go deep down in the business side of it, technology process do you have it can we help you with process because we're very all into process um you know we get you we we kind of get backtrack a lot of stuff from the client sometimes from the client going well i don't want to do this i just want to get going and we're like no you have to go through this process because it's going to make it faster later Mm -hmm. yes we're going to slow you down right now but it's definitely going to be faster right Mm -hmm. And, and that's the that's always the, the, the crazy part where clients do that to us, where they're like, I just want to get in there and do it. And we're like, it's not going to work. Like, we don't know what's under the hood whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it is guesswork. It, it literally is so guesswork. Much guesswork. Yeah. And like you said, like two, two, you know, you can have two t-shirt companies that are going to work completely different, right? You're like, say they're on Shopify, both are on Shopify, but their backend systems are different. Some of our mm-hmm. manual processes, like there's so many things that we can uncover and do a lot of work with a client. Um, and it's not that like, oh, we're going to have a long-term client, but like for us, it's just important to help them get to where they need to because this whole business is margin, right? Mm-hmm. So how can we make that margin a lot bigger? Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, this whole business is margin. <laughs> it is. It is. Absolutely. And the thing is, as an agency, you're the one that takes the hit when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the reality. And the, you're never going to convert a, convert a client over to ongoing work if you've shit the bed during the project and you've quoted them, it's going to be one amount. I have agencies where it's like they're adding an extra 20, 30, 40% at the end of the project for stuff they didn't scope for at the start. So then how do you expect to go to the client at the end? And you're like, you know the way I charge you an extra 40%? I'd also like you to commit to a 12-month contract as well. So <laughs> Well, we just spunked all that budget on your extra 40% that we didn't want in the first place. So we didn't want yeah. to spend. Yeah. So we will price it. So it's funny because we will do our weigh-in and that's a certain price. And in the weigh-in, we're like, it's going to cost you this much a month because we run a monthly retainer. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's a project where we're like, listen, it's going to take six months to build and it's going to be this a month, and then we can reconvene of see if you guys need more work, less work. We can, you know, lower the retainer a month or higher it. And then a lot of and the beauty for us though is even if the so say project is scheduled for six months and the client takes their time or you know it's just stuff happens, we can go. It just extends right, and mm-hmm. it's the same price. They know exactly what's going to happen next month. Um, on the seventh month, it's the same price for the next month. It, it's kind of mm-hmm. like. All of a sudden, we made it easy to figure out if they slow down exactly what happens to it. Because mm-hmm. th- that happens, right? It's not only our fault, but client will slow it down or something happens to the client totally. or pause it. And the way we figured out how to do that is like, all right, let's do a monthly retainer and just keep on going. Mm-hmm. And then converting a client into a maintenance and work to get, because e-commerce is living, breeding thing is easy from there. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier. And I think that means that when you're in the project and clients, which always happens, clients want more stuff and more stuff and more ideas. And But then you just park it, you pop it in the bank then for post-launch and you, pop, and you basically have built your retainer from there. That's the easiest Yeah, way we're also very flexible. So say like we're in the middle of build and a client goes, oh my God, I forgot about this or this is launching. We're like, okay, well, we can adjust it. It's going to just, you know, we have to slot something in, mm-hmm. but we're extended. It's going to cost more. 
Well, I mean, it's just with saying for whatever that is, if you want to slot it in here, that's great. We'll just adjust our timelines and, and things we need to do. But it's an easier conversation that way. I don't have to recalculate anything. It's like, hey, listen, it's probably going to be an extra month. They know what the price is without even us saying it. You know what I mean? So that's how you do your pricing then. You have weekly rates and then you, you monthly month. rates. One monthly rate as a retainer for the whole thing, for everybody, for the company itself. Oh, and, and the projects. Yeah. yeah, we have, we, it depends on the client and how much it's based on level of effort. It's not based on hours. Um, it's based on effort for the, for the team that's working on it. And that includes clients because they're an important mm-hmm. part of the thing. So we determine in actually, um, in the, um, the way in a lot of times we'll determine how fast things work and how fast we can work together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's our job to be as efficient as possible for it. Um, and that's kind of how we determine. Now we, we started, now we're going to retain our things, but uh, <laughs> we started, I just threw a number at the wall and then we went backwards. Um, mm-hmm. and then it's just a flat fee every single month. Um, mm-hmm. it is then over the years we figure out how to actually make that a thing. Um, and we don't base it on hours. We track hours internally because we mm-hmm. want to be as efficient as possible. But what that does is it doesn't punish us if we work faster. But it's exactly, awesome. which, which is the problem with the time and material model, because the better you get, the less you earn. You may as well just hire a bunch of idiots to take 10 times the amount of time to do something. Correct. And you would make way more money. So for us, it's, it's also, um, it's helping, um, you know, then we become a true partner because we become a department. Client knows their monthly spend. It's a fixed cost all of a sudden. Um, they know when we go up and down, like it, it changes the whole conversation and how we do mm-hmm. stuff. It, it's, it definitely, it's, it's hard to sell a lot of times, but clients who know what that is, it's it, They love it because they've done both. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they know what to get with us. It's pretty easy. Yeah, that does make it a lot cleaner. What happens then if a client, I mean, I know we're, we're dipping our toes into the retainer world. Let's so <laughs> We're there now. <laughs> we're already there. We're in retainer land. This is, this is my happy place. Um, so what happens then if a client wants extra? So you have a set of projects. We can raise that retainer. Okay. It's so a, you have a base rate. Yep. We have a language in our contracts that it's reassessed every single month. Our retainers are month to month. We have clients Mm -hmm. who are yearly contract because they're bigger Mm -hmm. and that procurement has to do it, but Mm -hmm. we have month to month contracts with us. Um, We've have done, you know, a discount on six months or a year or whatever that is, but um, they are usually month to month and we reassess them. The beauty of it is the process, how it works is our project managers, they know what to do with it Mm -hmm. if it's too much. Now, Am I leaving money on the table sometimes? Yes. Is the client paying sometimes more? Sure. But it if we kind of even it out over yeah, over yeah. a stretch of things, it's just beautiful. It, it just mm-hmm. works. Unless the client goes, hey, I have another project. Can you do it? And we do that all the time with them. Okay. And you would do that side by side or as part of the retainer? Part of the retainer. We just go, hey, it's going to cost you an extra five grand a month mm-hmm. um, over six months or whatever that is, or they just keep it. Like we had a literally a client that raised their retainer every single month because they needed that much work more. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. every month it went up an extra five, an extra five. Cause they're like, we need more stuff from you. Mm-hmm. So eventually a year later, we're like, well, I'll just sign a yearly contract for this big and let's mm-hmm. go. And they're like, okay. 
it, 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 then you can resource around it because the resourcing is often the hardest bit when you have clients ah. and you do such a good job for it, like resourcing. So, yep. So you think you have to think of our resourcing like a fractional type of resourcing, mm. meaning that every single person works on every single project here, um, and mm. we only run about eight to twelve clients at a time. And the beauty of that is somebody goes on vacation, somebody's sick. You need a front end person for that week. You need a back end. Mm. Like we can move around. It depends what happens. This is the, the whole planning and moving around is all on us. And I want that on us because mm -hmm. I'd rather be in charge of that. Totally. That has to be your responsibility. You can, if you throw back, that back at the hand of the client, you're going to be, be like herding cats. Kind of. <laughs> so the, the fun exception of that is we have a lot of clients that we're part of the team internally. So we work with a client with the internal team and we're like the knowledge base. We do the process with them. We help them with the process, but we work with the, the client team with the developers internally and stuff like that and be that knowledge base. Um, and that works brilliantly a lot of times, especially in the bigger companies, because once you prove yourself in one department and you work on a retainer model, like we do, then getting into other departments is so easy because they're starting to recognize that you're there. And that's so much fun. Um, no, but then you become, you, you, you're then considered a legitimate part of their business. They see you as an extension of their team. You're basically baked into that. And it means that if you have team members then that are off, you can then bounce between people to pick up the work. Yeah, to a point where we were on an org chart one time for a client. Really? Yep. I, I feel like, you know, the work that I do with agencies, I'm on a couple of org charts with a few agencies and like putting the money to one side, there's nothing more that brings you more pride. Oh, it was. That they see you as part of their company. Yep. It was insane. We were there for about three and a half years and they got sold. <laughs> this is a weird story. Um, we were in our kickoff meeting in the middle of the kickoff meeting. They were getting sold. We knew that the money came through being sold in the middle of our kickoff meeting. Talk about like scary moment, right? Mm -hmm. We were there for three and a half years after that. At some point, we knew more about the infrastructure and everything that goes on than anybody internally. That's how, that's how like deep down we can get into. And, be, mm -hmm. and this allows us to do it because then you're just part of that team. You're part of that work. And as long as you work great and deliver all the time, to us, that's like bar none amazing because <laughs> – you know, a lot of people go for like, well, you know, you're leaving money on the table. I'm like, am I, when you have a client for seven, eight years and they've been around us for so long and we build everything with them and they love it. And then you have clients go to other places and go, yep, we're ready for you. Let's go. Um, we need you. But I, think that, 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 I think that's a, a testament also to the way that you've built your pricing model, because if you built your pricing, or your retainer, your monthly model, it's not based on time and materials that's in there for value and there's contingency. Because I think if you are, the work that I do with agencies, I, I, I work, I effectively am an extension of their team. I'm like a non-executive ops director, interim COO, that sort of high level strategic role. If I was to go back, if they're paying me a certain amount every month, if I was to go back to each agency and say, you owe me for this, you owe me for that, that's not in scope, that's not in scope. I would never have to take on another client again for years until I started churning because they would stop coming to me with stuff. They would stop yep. asking me questions every time they had a problem. They would stop seeing the value in me because they would just see me as a number. And I, I'm not in business for that reason. If I was in business just to make money, 
you could do a million things and make money super quick. And I think, and I think that's hourly does that, right? Like mm-hmm. I think it's such an old school way of thinking about things and mm-hmm. you can't expand. Like for us, it, we've been like this for seven years now, you know, perfecting mm-hmm. it over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at 11 years old. Um, Cause and- you don't, you don't, don't look a day over 10. <laughs> we're, thanks. we're 11 in May. Um, Congrats. But over the years, you kind of get into this mood. Like for us, you know, it became a, it's like a little pride for us because I know where my business model looks like. I know what my year kind of looks like automatically in January. The way we bill is fun too, is, you know, because you get access to all of us, you, we get paid on like tomorrow is payday, payday for April. April 1st is for April. Like that's how we get paid. So you have people go retain our model. Um, we don't do, you know, over that. Um, I mean, you have some special circumstances, but we have that worked out. Um, but other than that, it's, it's, it's nice. And also once we get a client, I put it into our billing system. I never look at it again. It goes out, it goes in, I know it's in. Right. So not, I don't spend every, I don't spend every end of the month trying to figure out what the hours look like ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just makes it, that makes it easier. It makes it less stressful. It's easier. It's automatic for us. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it also takes away the financial sort of conversations from the project managers all the time, mm-hmm. which I think is detriment a lot of times. Like our project managers are our technical uh, directors and strategy people. Like they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they know when they're like, Hey, Bart, we need to have a conversation with the client because they're way over right? But they know what the thresholds are, like the mm-hmm. feeling of it, what's over getting over work, they look at everything. Um, but we have those conversations. But I also talk to them every day, all day long. So it's, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Of course. I just thought of interest, like, what was the at what stage did you bring pay discovery in as a mandatory part of your process? For a lot of agencies, I know it, it it's through pain that they then realize that pay discovery has got to be the way uh, to go. Every every piece of what how we work is through pain. Okay, that's agencies, right? right. That's, a, that's being in an agency. Uh, the reason we switched this business model because we were hourly when we started and got mm-hmm. really screwed over majorly where mm-hmm. I almost closed the business completely. Wow. Um, you know, we got screwed over from $100,000 when we were young and, you know, there's a whole story about that. Um, and I wanted to change it and we went to bi-weekly billing, week ahead, like all the bucket of hours, all those things. Mm-hmm. And eventually we got here. Um, pay discovery was in the middle somewhere in there. Um, and I don't remember where I got it from. Um, either Kai Davis or, oh, I know, um, guy from W Freelancing. I always forget Brent. Um, but that's where I found ways to kind of put that together. Right. Mm-hmm. So like where all of a sudden I was like, well, I think road mapping has to happen. And that's where like road mapping started things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the guys from Neon Roots started doing those kind of things. And mm-hmm. that was all road mapping. And I was like, we have to do that. And we got mm-hmm. to a point where we were doing it anyway as a mm-hmm. thing and not a whole project. And eventually we liked selling just that and mm-hmm. just took it apart. So your discovery process then, you, you have... Obviously, you have uh, the big 400-piece, 400 400-page uh, 400 chunk of 
work as a deliverable, but you yeah. walk them through, you have a creative part, you have a technical part, you have road mapping. Is that kind of how you guys do it? Yeah, we actually don't do any design. We don't design marketing. So not even wireframes? Uh, well, some of that, that really depends. We either work with internal or we have some friends who do UX and, the, and design. We'll do we'll do some of the design work after if it's if it's you know a brand new site. We do a lot of rescues, so for us, it's it's already done or there's an internal mm-hmm. part of that. So that's why we never we've never wanted to build that side of our company whatsoever. So it's highly technical for us. But yeah, okay. discovery, technology, process, technology, process, actual like, food, are you doing your development process internally properly? You know, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Okay, so you really get under the hood of their business. And oh, yeah. you, you, you include that over a series of workshops as well that you walk them through it because there's no way people can digest a 400 page. <laughs> yeah, no, we, right. I, I say 400 page. I think our last one was 400 pages because we're helping a, build a startup. So for, for, you know, a client needed a whole bunch of things. Um, it really depends. Some are code reviews that we need to fix. Some are just walking them. Like one of the workshop is when we start with them to sit down with everybody, go, here's our Jira instance. That's how it works. Here's how you commit things. This is the process. This is how you write stories and all the things. We literally go through a full agile process. Nice. So like I said, heavy handed. It's not even comprehensive. It's very heavy handed. <laughs> It is, but the thing is, it, the chances of a client doing a discovery piece with you and then not working with you after that are very slim unless it's just not a good fit or yep. you've done something as part of the discovery process that they're just like, yeah, this doesn't work. Yep. You lay, I, I, lay, lay, I was just like, are you going to lay hands on me there? Am I about to no, 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 sorry. I had to fix my camera really quick. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, we've had clients, you know, not, we've never had a client take it and go somewhere else. I mean, we always say that, it's yours, it's yours to keep, it's your work product, have fun. Um, we have clients to go, got it, can do, you know, can't pursue that, or t- they've taken it to raise money, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, do you work with a lot of startups? Few. We have a few under our belt, um, which is kind of fun. Yeah, startups um, are fun. I come from the startup world. I was in the startup, like, doing the whole Silicon Valley, like bullshit bubble, lots of money, nothing to show for it. That was in the AWS world. It's like, I'm a farm girl from out the back arse of nowhere in Ireland. And there's me, <laughs> cowboy boots and a plaid shirt and all these guys with Rolexes and private jets. And I'm just like. Uh, yeah, I've been around startup world for, for a while. I have some friends yeah. who are in it. I have some friends who are, you know, VCs. It's just never, I like building my own thing. So mm-hmm. we kind of kind of try to avoid it. We like building it for stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we try not to own pieces of it. Um, kind of our own thing. We kinda, we're, we're like the weirdos. <laughs> Best way to be, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's tons of M&A going on in e-commerce world too. You know, A lot. tons of agencies, tons of just getting bought up like crazy. Yeah. I've got two agencies in my group right now going through that. Two agencies going through it and one agency buying another agency. It's it's pretty savage right now. Yes, it, it, it definitely is. And I understand why, because hiring right now is absolutely insane too. Mm-hmm. Um, so since we're uh, kind of coming up close, um, one last question for you. Actually, for questions, but one, what is the last thing you bought online? I don't want to answer this out loud because I'm a hypocrite. 
Why? Everybody does this. Like, I no. don't care what it is. I'm not an online shopper. <laughs> you didn't buy anything? What was it like last thing? Okay, the last thing I got on, I'm not really an online shopper. Um, I bought my husband some shirts because he asked me to. He gave me his shirts and asked me to, because his card is in my purse. Um, <laughs> so that's why. Um, and that before that was a diffuser, a room diffuser. Well, what is it like a, a mister aromatherapy yep, yep. diffuser? Apparently, it was supposed to like you know lavender oils that's supposed to make you sleep. It's on my <laughs> husband's side of the bed, and he's sleeping like a baby. So I don't know if it's wafting over my way. Um, but I only got it because it was on an extremely massive discount. Nice. I, li- I live in an island. I live in Grand Canary, an island off the coast, a Spanish island off the coast of Morocco, and n- nothing delivers here. Like, ah. it's one of the few places that like Amazon doesn't deliver here. Like it's, you can't get anything delivered. So you have to find it on the island. I wasn't a big line, a big online shopper before, but being here now, it's just like, so there's like two or three stores that we can actually buy from sports direct. Is a, I don't know if you guys have it over in America, but it's a huge store for sports brands. And like, it's amazing. It's my favorite store. And my husband would just give me a list of stuff every three months or six months. <laughs> I need this. I need these trousers. I need this. I need to replace this stuff. And I'm like, okay. Nice. Um, What about you? And then the last thing, oh, me? Um, Something was on sale. Oh, light bulbs were on sale on Amazon that I want them. And wow, living life on the edge. I know. Um, Well, they were like Wi Fi light bulbs. I kind of needed them. Um, The funny thing is, they were on sale. So I bought them this morning from Amazon and I think they just got delivered. So well because I'm here in Grand Canary, I mean yeah. I've had yeah, stuff. Totally I, got, I got Christmas stuff to stuff people my clients sent me stuff for Christmas and I got it last month in February. Uh, that's everybody. That's not just you. That's here too. Okay. That's just <laughs> that's, fine. that's just it's a thing. Um all right. Well your turn to plug away all your things where people can find you. Where could people find me? LinkedIn um rachel jacobs or my business my company name which i am rebranding so i probably shouldn't say but it's e-commerce partnerships it'll bounce over to the new site um but that's where people can find me um i actually run uh, but let's send you the details of regard i run a monthly round table totally free there's no sales in there it's just an opportunity for agency owners to get together and shoot the shit a bit a bit like the uh, event i did last week just okay. agency owners getting together and learning and sharing and like to me that's super important um, not from a business point of view. I just do it because I love it. Um, facilitating some of those conversations. And you get to meet a few mad bastards as well, like Darren. So that, that's always worth it. It's awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. In the Ring is produced and edited by me, John Suter, with production assistance from Brittany Blackman. The show is a production of Sumo Heavy, an e-commerce consulting firm with offices in Brooklyn, New York, and Philadelphia. If you like what you've heard, head over to iTunes and give us a rating. And finally, if you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas for show topics or guests, hit us up on social media channels at Sumo Heavy. If you'd like to learn more about Sumo Heavy, find us on the web at sumoheavy.com. That's it for now. We'll see you next week in the ring.